Cool. So, um, welcome to the In the Making podcast. Uh, I am Patrick. This I'm Dan. This is Dan, and this is Cricket. And this is Cricket, our furry little bean, our co-host. For those of you not watching, there's a dog in between us. Yeah, for those of you on audio only, there's a little dog sitting here. Um, Cool. So. Uh, Dan, some big, some big changes happening, uh, in, in both our lives, mostly in yours. <laughs> and that, that big change mostly happening in your life is me moving from Montreal to Toronto. So, um, if you, if you are watching on video, you can see where we are. If not, um, if you, if, for those people who have been following me, we've been renovating our house for the last year. We being, uh, myself and Kendra and basically the basement is finished and the main floor is finished, and we convinced Pat to move from Montreal to Toronto, and Pat is now living in our basement. Yeah, so basically, the business that we run is growing quite fast, and it's difficult to bring in people from the outside um, to help us with growth that don't have experience within our business because... Um, we're very fortunate in the sense that, uh, while many businesses need more salespeople, um, our, our core competency and the one thing that we need to maintain, um, as we grow is the quality of the work that we provide. So, so we brought Pat in from Montreal, basically, uh, to help us oversee all of the daily operations and quality because Pat used to run uh, his own version of our of our shine business in Montreal. He was running a franchise there. Uh, he jo- just sold his company um, in order to move here. So how, do, how does it feel for um, you to be in Toronto finally? Uh, it feels kind of crazy to actually be here. It feels like it was months of like buildup of like, yeah, like I'm saying I'm moving to Toronto and then actually being now here in Toronto is like, I don't know, it kind of feels surreal still. Like I wake up in the morning and I still have that, you know, when you like, you're at like a hotel or something and you wake up in the morning, you have that weird feeling like, where am I? How did I get here? I still get that. Um, <laughs> I've had but, other points in my life where I felt that way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I mean, I mean, honestly, like this just in terms of why I moved here, I don't know about you, but I think you, you'll agree like for me you know me very well, you know, like where I'm at in life and all that very well. I think that you'll agree that this is just the logical next step. This is just the next step in my evolution. Like I didn't, there was no other real way forward for me. Like this was always kind of, Kendra's even said it. Kendra's even said like, this was, this was always our plan. Like we, this, this, this is how it was always going to happen. It was the three of us from day one that started this business. We started this business from, from day one and I was in Montreal and Kendra was like, we knew that you'd never come to Toronto right away. But if you did a couple years in Montreal, we could probably convince you. I feel like that's, um, that's something I want to get into because it's something that very few people do, but the people that I do know that have just decided to like uproot their life, leave their hometown or their city, um, and just move somewhere else are usually interesting people that have, that have done that, um, maybe with a specific reason or without, but the goal is ultimately to create something a lot bigger than what they have going on now. Um, so I guess if you were talking to somebody else, um, that didn't know you and they were looking for a change, what would you say kind of pushed you in the direction of of saying, you know, 
it's, it's time for something new. Like, what were you trying to get away from in Montreal? And what were you trying to move towards in Toronto? That's that. Yeah, that's that's an awesome question. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I was really trying to, like, get away from anything um, in Montreal. Maybe, like, habits um, more than anything. Like, one of the things that I was really excited for moving here, but also, like, kind of nervous a bit is just, like, I knew that, like, coming here to work with you and Kendra, like, a lot of the weak points in my game, like, when I was running Montreal and everything like that, like, you know, I, I did a good job, but, like, there's definitely, I definitely wasn't perfect. There was definitely weak points in my game, and I know that coming here with you guys, it'll be, like, shock therapy. Like, those weak points will be, like, super highlighted at the beginning, and I'll be forced to fix them and work on them, and that'll make me better all around you're talking about in your business yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm talking about like uh in in like my business like uh i don't know how i would word it like my entrepreneurial skill set i guess uh is like you know there are some things that i'm very good at and there are some things that i could definitely be better at and i find that it's really easy when you're working on a business to like um always navigate towards those things that you're really good at like you just always want to do those things because you're really good at them and then to just like kind of avoid the things that you're not great at yeah. and i think that when i'm when i'm here and the business is is so much bigger and so much more involved and there's like a lot more pressure on me than just myself like now it's like there's other people relying on me to make sure that i do things right like those weaknesses will will become pronounced and i will be forced to work on them and strengthen them and i think that that's will only be good for me in the end um so that's one of the biggest things. And I, I think one of the other things that you said that I just want to touch on was what would I recommend for somebody who's like looking to like shake things up. And like, th this is kind of like the second time I've done this. Once I did it for a year, I moved to BC. And I think that like, just like where you are, at least like where I was like West Island, right? Like I grew up in this neighborhood. I had all these friends around me. Like I, I know all these people. And I just think that there's really something to be said for just taking yourself out of a really familiar environment and just like, even if it's not for that long, like I did it for a year, I went to BC, like I just took myself out and I put myself somewhere where I knew nobody. And I just, just to prove to myself that like, I will be okay. Like I can do it all again. And by the end of that year, I had built up a group of awesome friends and like, like a family over there that it was hard. It was just as hard to leave there to come back here as it was at the beginning to leave to go there you know so um i just think that i can't say enough for like having that experience of just like uprooting your life going somewhere throwing yourself into the fire like it's kind of what i'm doing again now i'm just kind of like uprooting my life moved to toronto and i'm just gonna see what i can make for myself out here you know i think that um i also moved uh, not from the west island but i moved from uh from montreal to toronto yeah um, and then just when I finished university, I, I, um, I didn't know what my next move was, but then I, as you know, I, I booked a one-way ticket to South America, yeah. um, for four how months. You, how long were you out there? About four months. Four months. Yeah. So yeah. I did five countries in four months. Yeah. And, um, and I would say that like moving isn't really, for me at least, was never really about like moving for a specific reason. Like obviously I had ideas of why I was moving, but for the most part, it was just... You're talking about when you moved here? Or yeah, about, when I moved okay, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really just about being like, I know where I am. And I have a sense of the type of person and the type of life I want to live. But I don't know how I'm going to get there or what exactly I want to do. 
but what I'm doing now is not working for me in terms of propelling me forward. Mm. So if I go somewhere new where I have a totally new environment, it'll almost a lot easier to become a new person and kind of shed that um, normalcy that you're used to. Mm. And it made it a lot easier for me to just get into a new habits um, and kind of envision and, and, and design that new life that I wanted to live. And even though I was only able to figure that out once I already got to Toronto, um, it almost just happened so naturally uh, because I was in a, a better space to be doing that. And I wasn't just, you know, stuck in my old daily life. So, yeah. yeah. And you can always move back too. That's, that's the thing. Like I, my biggest thing, I don't know where I originally heard this. Um, so I can't give credit to the original person that I heard it from, but, um, is it me? No, I don't think so. I think it might've been Tim Ferriss. Sorry. <laughs> but, <Close> uh, <laughs> like whenever you're making like a big call, like a big decision in your life like that, I think it's really important to like look at it objectively and be like, if everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong, like what would it take? for me to get to where I am now, like to get back to where I am now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like for, for a lot of people, like a decision like that is like almost nothing. Like if you were to fail, you'd just be back where you were. Yeah. So it's like, what's the point of not doing it? You have, it's not like you would have to restart from the bottom. Like you'd be back where you are now. So there's no yeah. real risk. Like for me coming out here, the risk was uh, a little bit more because, um, I was, you know, I, I, I sold my business in Montreal. Um, and so like, if I were to, if I were to fail here and move back, like I would, I would have to restart from essentially nothing. But I don't know when I was, when I was making the decision to move here, that never really factored in. Like failure didn't even come into my mind, like an option. Burn all your boats. There you go. You burn all your boats at the shore and, uh, there's only one way forward. Amazing. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on about? About the move, not not really, man. I mean, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll see how it goes, but uh, so far, so far it's been uh, so far it's been good. Amazing. So yeah, so we have a lull where basically end of December is when our season ends, and we kind of just hang out. And I want to say normally we would do nothing, but as our business is growing, <laughs> we're finding that uh, the few weeks that we have off is actually um, not even enough time to get what we want done. So. We've been off since like mid-December, so to speak, and now it's it's January 9th, um, and and it's it's not easy. I mean, I think that pretty much everybody at one point or another struggles with motivation and like getting themselves to get off the couch and actually do the things that they want to do, that they know they need to do, yeah. um, and it's, it's funny because everybody thinks that motivation is this thing that you get, yeah. that it just happens to you. And then the order is first I get motivated and then I, I do go I do and something. I do and yeah, I do something. Exactly. And but really it's the opposite. It's I go do exactly. and then I become exactly. motivated. And it's like, how many, t how many times do you go and, you know, you watch videos on YouTube or Instagram from Gary V or, you know, you motive, feel really motivated talks. and you don't actually end up doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you do something that one Ted day, talks, yeah. but then you don't, but then that's it. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. it's actually the opposite. It's, you have to go and do stuff. And then once you're doing stuff, the, the action of doing things is what's motivating you and giving you a good feeling that you're getting shit done. Yeah. 
and then you go and get more stuff done. So the hardest part is really just convincing yourself to just get up and go do something. Mm. And personally, I found that now I need less help with this. But when I was really like in a deep pit of, of demotivation, um, a couple of years ago, one of the things that got me out of like watching 45 episodes of Netflix nonstop in a row was um, was just making a list of of three items that I knew were super easy to do. And I, and I figured if I get these three items done today, then today is a success, a success mm. and I can move on. And even if it's literally um, doing the laundry and, you know, calling the, my accountant for something and then I find it's good. It's doing like a, grocery shopping. Yeah. And then I'm done by one. And then I have the option to go and do more. I usually ended up going and doing more. I think it's usually like, at least for me, it's a snowball. Like, yeah. it's, it's really just, yeah. it's not even a three, list of three things. It's just like a list of one thing. Yeah. If I can get myself out of bed within a half hour of my alarm going off and do one high impact activity, the day will be productive. Like the whole, I'll get a bunch of stuff done yeah. that day. If I, if it's one of those days where like I, my alarm goes off and I, roll over and watch Instagram for like two hours and then roll out of bed and make myself coffee and sit and watch Netflix. Yeah. And then like, no, you're done. Once, once like that, like, you know, happens, it's just the day is shot. And I don't know about you, but like, I, I found it a lot harder to motivate. I know we weren't, I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but since the, the COVID, since the lockdown, um, because generally like what I, what I would do in the off season that would keep me like, going and keep me motivated and keep me working is I would wake up every morning and go to the gym first thing. And that's like a, like one, like, you know, like you're, you're, you're doing something at least somewhat productive first thing in the morning. And then the rest of your day, like you just want to go, 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 go. Now I don't really have that option. So it's, it's been, it's been tough for me for sure to motivate, but you know, the move is definitely has definitely helped because now I have you and Kendra above me and I don't have a choice, but to, but to get up. <laughs> yeah. So basically just uh, getting back in the swing of things for yeah. us is and we got an office this year too. Yeah. Um, so like that's, I mean, getting back in the swing, I think that's going to be a big help because once we kind of get started and we figure out what we need to do to organize that and get it prepped for the season, like that'll be an easy thing for us to just get up and I can just go there first thing in the morning and just work for a couple hours on well, prepping. The I office, think the, the thing that's different about this year as opposed to the other years was that most years when we're off, we're, we just, we have nothing to do and we'd be off. Whereas now, um, there was, so, <laughs> we never really stopped working. Like the business kind of shut down. And then after the business shut down, I just went to working on the renovation nonstop yep. and then yep. uh, helping you move. And then you came here and it's building furniture and finishing the renovation so that we can go work on the office tomorrow. And then once the office is done, it's about hiring people and starting sales up again. So we never really, I mean, I know you, you stopped for a bit, I think, but when, even then uh, you were you're talking about this season, you were always, yeah. We're always yeah, I mean, I, stuff. I definitely had a nice, I definitely had a nice little break. I mean, I knew I was going to be moving here. Um, so I knew that like, I wasn't going to be skiing, which is my, my other love. Like I, I love running this business and I, I love skiing. It's like a passion of mine that I, I love to do. Um, so I got in like basically every free day that I had between when I finished my season, when the hills opened basically. And when I moved here, I skied. And then every other day in between that I couldn't ski, I was packing and prepping to move. Um, and now I'm here. So, but like, yeah, I'm just, uh, 
I'm I'm stoked to get in to get into it to get into the season to get the the office ready to get going to get hiring to get selling again like I'm 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 ready to go, but I I know that feeling and I know that you've, once the rubber hits the road it is still hard to kind of get the ball rolling a bit once it starts rolling it keeps rolling but getting it going is it takes a little it takes a few turnovers of the engine you know to get it going I would say our least favorite thing from both of us after doing it for so many years. Is knocking on doors. I, I don't think, uh, like, it's definitely, it, it definitely has always been our least favorite thing. I don't think it's because we've done it for so long. I think that, <laughs> I think that you can agree, like, once you have knocked on your first three or four doors, it actually is kind of fun and easy. It's just yeah, the it's mental. It's always good once you're there. <laughs> it's just the, the mental game of getting yourself to, like, get to that first few doors it's literally that is getting dressed going out getting in your car the whole time you know you're going what you're it's what's ahead cold. of you yeah. it's going to be cold it's it's and it's it's weird because like generally when when we're doing it like i would say probably 99.9 percent of all the interactions we have are positive yeah. even if they don't aren't interested yeah. in the service it's not that we don't want to go because we're worried about people shutting us down we just don't want to go because we're I don't know. <laughs> just, you just don't want to go. I don't know why. No, no, no. I would. I would say that it. I would say almost it is. I would say it's. It's like ninety nine point nine percent of all the interactions we have are positive, but that point zero one percent is weighed so heavily oh, you in your brain. You? I. I find. Yeah, I think so. Because like, As I. I, I, I have knocked on thousands and yeah. thousands of doors. Yeah. Right. And I don't remember pretty much any of them except for like three of the bad ones. And there's only really been like four or five bad ones. Oh, I, I find for me, it's just daunting that I don't want to go out and spend three or four hours in the freezing cold. That's really it. Oh, the cold, the cold never really bothers me. And it's fine once I'm there and I'm, and like once I start talking to people and I get in a good flow, um, like that's honestly the only good thing for me is once talking you, to people. Once you bang out, like once, like every once in a while, it happens that you'll you'll book estimates at like th- like two or three houses in a row. Yeah, that's no, a then high. You're on fire. That's a high like no other. Like you're 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 feeling good. You can't you're not feeling do good. That. I'm excited to experience it in Toronto. I ha- I don't want to get my hopes up. Oh, everyone speaks English. It's amazing. <laughs> that that too. That uh, that's how I didn't even think of that amazing. actually. Oh my god, that really is amazing. Um, yeah. No, I'm just I'm I'm more excited to see like what the the rate the rate of return is like is it do you think it's more than Montreal what's your what's your I would guess say it's more do you think it's still like I, I think in in the preseason you average like one an I hour. would say that um, is that the same in Toronto one an hour or do you think you it probably depends get what area and, and what time to. of year well yeah I mean June you're gonna get everybody I mean, people June, are gonna come to have, you we don't have to knock in June because we just have so many people calling us mm. um, this is just the head start stuff but I think this year is gonna be a lot nicer because we're going to have an infrastructure where we're, we're just the only reason we're going to be going knocking on doors is to train other people to knock on doors yeah. and get started. Yep. And then once those people are trained, then the business is starting to become. So just to explain what we're trying to do with our business, um, rather than just be self-employed and every year, like work really hard to make a bunch of money and then do it again every year for the rest of our lives. The goal is to build the company up into something better each year to the point where we are free. Yeah. Um, so there's a our very key is, distinction that I want to make separated. between what, self-employment and yeah. business ownership. 
So owning a business means that you own a system. You actually um, have a machine that you can turn on and it runs. And if you walk away from that machine, it's still running, it's still making money, everything is working. But if you're self-employed, which technically can be the same thing, but for the purpose of this argument, it's not, um, then you own the business and you run it. But it but, can't run, it can't function without you being there to make it function. Exactly. So if no. you want to go on vacation for, for six months, or if you want to do something else, the business stops running. So you're required to be there. So you end up working so much um, just to oversee it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think I've ever seen a business that didn't, a successful business that didn't require someone to constantly be on top of it in order for it to grow and build and succeed. Um, at, at first, well, it's like at least. it's like a machine. The machine uh, analogy that you used, like you can walk away from it, but machines need maintenance. Yeah. So basically, um, for me at least, I don't. I don't. You can share after I I finish. But um, my goal for Shine is I'm I'm not at all interested in window cleaning. Mm. Um, I don't have any interest in that. I I don't really like it to be honest. I'm more fascinated by. I've always been fascinated, almost like. A mechanical engineer would be with machines. Um, I love looking at the mechanics of businesses um, and understanding how they function and why they work the way they do and what makes them tick. Um, and so for me, my goal at the beginning of Shine was to build it for two or three years and then leave it and then let it run and go run another business. How's that two or three years going? Well, um, what I discovered after my first year I thought it was, was going to take five to ten. Well, not really. What I discovered was that the potential was a lot bigger than I thought it would be. I thought we would do, you know, maybe we would, we would cap out at like a couple million dollars. And then it would just, I, I think my number was three. Yeah. I thought we'd hit three million in revenue in like three or four years. And then we wouldn't be able to grow anymore. Like it, it wouldn't make sense anymore to grow because it just wouldn't be worth it. And then I would go and run another business because I would get bored. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that's not at all how it ended up being. Um, after our first year, I realized that we had a massive potential. And last year, we absolutely blew our targets out of the water. Um, and every year, I'm finding that we have to deconstruct and tear down our entire system of how we do things. And then basically rebuild a new rule book for the company on how yeah. we do things because we we can't continue to do things the old way in order to if uh, we want to make it to the next level you can't do yeah so it's almost exactly. like i'm starting a new business every year which is really cool um, because i'm actually growing the same one so i still have a goal within now i have two years left so within the next two years to make it so that i am not really needed in the business and that i can go and and run another business um, but to have that power of, the, of that option to be there if I want to help it grow or to leave, um, just would make me feel incredible as opposed to having to literally having, if I don't show up to work, then things, work doesn't, everything things, collapses. things yeah. don't happen. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I don't think you've ever shared with me your goal for it. Yeah, the thing that I love, uh, about business and being involved in 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 this one and and all businesses and working is uh just 
uh, people. I really like working with people. I like employing people. I like clients. I like doing sales. Like I, I just really like live off of, off of that. It's, it's weird. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm an, I'm an extrovert for sure. Um, I definitely get tired of other people after a while, but like, um, I really, I really need that. Like I learned at a young age, like, I don't know if you remember, like I worked at a startup, I was doing yeah. like program programming for a year. Yeah. Share yeah. the bus. And like that experience was incredible because there was a time then when I thought I wanted to work with computers and do that kind of thing, like software development yeah. and all that. And after working there for a couple of months, I was like, this is the opposite of what I want to be doing. And that's when I totally shifted and went the other direction. And I was like, I need to do something way, something that involves people. I need to be constantly like talking to people and, and, and building relationships and that kind of thing. So that's the kind of business that I really like. So for, for, for me, um, in, in shine, like working like the production side of it and like the summer and having the employees and like building, building that, like, like the culture and stuff like that, yeah. which I think we're actually going to get into a little bit culture and our ideas for that in this episode. But, um, like building that and working on the culture and having that is like, I would really love that. My other goal is to be able to, um, essentially have my whole winters off because I'd love to be able to pursue, um, like big mountain skiing on a higher level. Um, which until now, like I, I lived a year in BC, so I was able to kind of see some of the big That's mountains and, and see what's, see what's, what's possible out there. Just imagine in like two years from now, yeah. if you take like two months off and you're just going like heli skiing. That's it. Exactly. Where's so I want to be We've doing heard about Pat. Are we going to meet our other boss? Yeah. Nope. Pat's heli skiing. If he makes it back. Yeah, then. exactly. <laughs> having you around is like the the quintessential third piece to our puzzle because Aww. um no but for real like a lot of people um this think that they want to start businesses mm. and they're like you know it sucks to start alone <laughs> and yeah. it's hard to really like it's, hard it gets it gets lonely for sure that's um, one of the big reasons that i'm especially if you've never done it before and then you're going you're like afraid of to start so you you want to just grab a friend and be like, let's start this business together. And I think the CEO of Waze, uh, the, the GPS system said that, you know, there's all those stats about how like 50% of startups fail in the first year and then 80 in the second year. Mm -hmm. um, but what he said, one of the things that he said that was really interesting was that if you survey the, um, the, the initial workers that are on board when that company got started, hmm. most of them, I think with a, an 85% certainty, or I don't know the exact numbers, but with a very high certainty could tell you that they knew or they had feeling from day one, very early on, that it wasn't going to work out. Hmm. And most of the time, it's not because the idea is bad. It's because the partnership is not correct. There's, the partners are not cohesive for whatever reason. And often the people you're friends with are not, it, it's, it, there's no correlation between being friends with someone and being able to run a business to them. If anything, it's, it's often the opposite. Um, but in this case, um, myself, I'm, I'm a lot more like I feel high level and visionary and I'm good at kind of just thinking things up and then just going and doing without stopping. Um, so I'm more of, I would say an executor uh, and and sales is my forte, mm. whereas Kendra is 
incredible at the back end and just being able to focus like and do like a machine work. i've never seen anything like it um you know if, high if I, level focus if, if i tried to do um you know even three things at the office one if, thing. if she gave me one, a list one, of one thing let's be do, honest to get done on software or office or administration i'd probably get like two or three done in a day and she'll just complete the whole list and get like well, perfect things done. perfect example we, we we have like a like a crm and uh we we do estimates with clients and we take the papers that we do the estimates on and we enter them into the crm so we have all the data yeah. and uh you one time when i was in toronto like a few months ago put a stack in front of kendra for her to do <laughs> and i looked at the stack and because i'm in montreal doing it all myself like i do both sides of this i do the estimates and put them in they have it split up so dan does the estimates and then kendra inputs them i looked at the stack of estimates and i estimated i looked at it i was like that would take me probably about two hours to do kendra had it done in about 20 minutes and i was <laughs> blown away yeah i turned around and turned back and they were done. gone <laughs> so um so yeah i feel like usually when you have similar traits to someone it doesn't really help your business because you don't need two heads of sales and then nobody's good at admin, but we have Kendra who's incredible at the back end stuff. And then I'm, you know, high level on the ground or up until now, I've just been everything customer facing and, and basically human facing. Mm. Um, but one of the things that I think I'm getting better at, but that I severely lacked from day one, um, I feel like it's uh, probably you might feel similar. Your sales skills are similar to this mm. where it's not your core strength, but you're getting better at it is, uh, for me, employee and, and people relationships. Mm. I, I feel like naturally I'm not always, I don't have an, as much empathy that I'm thinking about others and that mm. I'm, I'm that person. And sometimes I can be a bit selfish or, or ignorant uh, whereas sales is my absolute strongest point. And one of the things that allow us to become an amazing company is going to be our relationships with our employees. 100%. And how much they love us and how much, you know, we show that we love them. And I, and that's your, that's I really think that, yeah, like you said, like we kind of fit together like, like a, like a puzzle piece, like my, yeah, I know, I know what you're God. thinking. Uh, but but you no like proposed. like really like I like I I totally agree with you like I have a bit more empathy and I I like hiring guys and 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 managing them and and you know and yeah. and giving I hate, them a place I hate training workers I giving them it. a place I mean I don't I don't enjoy training them but I like being their like their like supervisor yeah. I like being there and they can for tell them that you're there and for they them. know that I am there yeah. like for them to make their lives as good as I have the power to make them um and like I'm good at sales but I'm not amazing at sales like I, by no means like you on the other hand are incredible at sales you can sell ice to an eskimo but then when it comes to the employees like you said it's like but i think that those things are like because they're almost like um like mutually exclusive to a certain extent like the more the more of one you have the less of one you have you know what i'm saying because like it, it, it kind of sounds bad to say it, but like in order to be like a really, truly incredible salesman, you almost have to have a little bit of a lack of empathy because I, I feel that like if you want to be a really amazing salesperson, 
you need to almost be, you need to be okay with making other people feel a little uncomfortable sometimes because people need to be made to feel I don't uncomfortable. Think empathy is the word. I think you need a lot of it. I think if I had more empathy, I would do better at sales because really? I'm like, I'm, I don't think you would making, cause the more, if I had more empathy, I would be better at doing the things that wouldn't, I would normally make people uncomfortable with, but make them feel good about it, so to speak. But, but, I, think but that it's, I, it's I agree to a certain to relate, extent. I think it's being able to relate to people. If you're the more relatable and likable you are, the easier it is. But like there are certain things like, for example, like just like the most basic sales concept, closing. You have to be willing to put yourself and them in what could be perceived as a slightly uncomfortable situation yeah. in order to make it happen or it's not going to, especially on one of those sales where the person's kind of not 100% sure and they maybe want to, you know, wait or here or there and you have to kind of like keep talking, reclose, keep talking, yeah. reclose again. It's like when you're on your second, third, fourth reclosing, at that point, like everybody's not as comfortable as they were 15, 20 minutes ago. I don't think there's any way to, to around that. I, I think don't if think you're anything, really good. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think if you're really good, which is a level I still aspire to be at, then that becomes like the better you are, the less that becomes a thing. Yeah. And when you have really good rapport with someone which has happened to me a bunch of times. It's like not, you're almost laughing that you keep closing and asking them for the job again because you know that you're being genuine and that, and that you're on the same page and they're being genuine with you. But you're right. Often it is, there is that kind of awkwardness or that imbalance. And I think that's just trying to be better at sales is to be able to navigate yeah. that. And I don't want to, I don't want to confuse like, um, empathy with being genuine or like empathy with being like a like a shady car salesman because like i don't think that's what you are at all and i don't think that's what good salesmen are i just think that um like there's a there's a difference like you can be a, like a totally genuine person but also not be uh like extremely empathetic to the fact that like you know for for, for example like if you're if you're in a sales call and the person like you you've pre-closed on the phone you've done all this and then the person basically is like, oh, you know, give me the night to decide. Like, I don't like in my mind, like I know that for me, like I'm empathetic because the person's like, it's more than I was expecting or whatever, you know, like maybe I made a mistake. Like I would be empathetic and be like, I understand why they're saying it. But I know for a fact that you would be like, no, you brought me here and you told me that if the price was, so like we're going to get to the bottom of it depends. before I leave. It depends. <laughs> I used, so the way that I was taught was because I didn't know any better. It was you always have to close, like do ev like it's better to get kicked out than to get a. I'll call you back because fact statistics would just show us every yep. time I tried it that ninety nine point nine percent of times that you go okay, you know the guy for sure he sounded really genuine. He really was going to call me back, and then you never get a call back. That's and, it, and you just lose every single one. So it's it's no longer uh, you know me feeling for the guy. It's really just me knowing that for X, Y, and Z reasons, if, if I don't get a yes or no, I don't, I'm fine with a no, but if I don't get an answer now, hmm. then I'm not going to get an answer, period, That's and it's it. going to drive me crazy. It's the, it's the idea that if I'm going to take my time and come to your place and spend this time yeah. with you, then you don't owe me the job, but you owe me an answer. Even if it's a no, you owe me, some, you you owe me an answer, a yes or a no. you don't owe me the answer no. because I came. You owe me the answer because... Before I came, before I go anywhere, I ask 
If, can you give me an answer? One way or the other, will you be able to give me an answer? Because we have so many meetings and I cannot follow up with everybody. So I can only go to meetings that can give me a definitive answer. And there are one or two times, you know, 1% of times where someone needs to get back to you and you're like, this was a total freak situation. I understand something happened in between our phone call and it is what it is. Um, but most of the time I've just learned that like it's senseless to, for both of you. It's a big waste of time for both of you to deal with a bunch of calls, calls back. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's something I would, I would love to look more into. Um, I want the business to win so bad that yeah, I will, see yeah. a direct correlation between if I don't close this sale, then the business will not move forward. Whereas when it's with employees, it's almost like, I guess I'll just say like, I'm a bit of an asshole and I'll kind of be selfish and I'll be like, okay, like if this doesn't work out with this person, like, fuck it, I'll just move on. I'll find someone better. Like we can, we can figure it out no matter what, but I, the sale. So I have less patience with that than I do with sales. Yeah. Um, because I'm almost like, I guess of the mentality I used to be of the mentality. I'm less now of like, the person will show up and if they're good, they're good. And if they suck, then we just, we just let them go. And I feel like to a degree that has proven true where, um, a lot of the time I'll bring someone out to an interview or a training mm. and I like them or for whatever reason I want to give them a shot, but I don't get that feeling that like this person's going to be awesome and I just hang on to them and they end up becoming a, you know, an A minus, a, a B or C level employee. Mm. Whereas when you get that person that you're like, you're a fucking rock star, like right in the interview, you bring them out to a training, they kill it. Like we, we only want people like that, that are a good yeah. fit. hundred percent. And I feel like you just, there was, um, in one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, he talks about how, um, like he compared statistically what, how many, what percentage of job applicants were stayed in the position that were good hires that were actually uh, given a one hour interview mm -hmm. versus uh, who was judged just based on a handshake and mm -hmm. like a 30 second thing. And then they left and the handshake was a more accurate rep um, a more accurate uh, predictor predictor yeah. of how of job the, success of the feeling that the uh, hiring officer got mm. from that handshake was a more accurate predictor of success yeah. compared to the one hour interview. Uh, recently you had put me on to, um, the audio book. Um, I think it's called De uh, delivering happiness. Yep. It's the Zappos, the Zappos yep. book. Um, and it, uh, at the beginning he's talking about how like they had started this first company during the internet boom. It was about selling ads. Um, what the business is isn't really important, but he's saying like basically for the first like while they were just hiring friends and the culture was like amazing. Like they would play every time they had a new hire, they'd do a big practical joke and it was funny and it was like a great way to like initiate people and all that. But then as the company started to grow really quickly, they just started hiring anybody who, they got who was out. willing. Once they got bought out. No, this is before oh, they yeah, got bought yeah, out. Was, yeah. So once they, uh, once they, they started to grow quickly, they just started to hire anybody who would work for them. And the guy says basically that like, as, as soon as they made that transition, he started to lose interest in working there. And so like, 
I don't know. I think that that, that first, that first uh, feeling that he's talking about there of like with all your friends and stuff like that, it's kind of what every company really strives for. I feel like a lot of companies don't. I feel like that's like the, a new age thing. Yeah, maybe you're right. But um, yeah. I think that, and that's mostly in like the tech space because that's yeah. what everybody in Silicon Valley is like doing. beanbag chairs and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, they're like, oh, we got a ping pong table. Yeah. Um, and and it is does work, but I think that probably ninety percent of companies that exist just don't. They don't even think about it. They don't do it. Yeah, you're you could you could definitely um, be right, but I I think that it's the if you want to build a big company, the best companies do. I think it's really important. And I my biggest um, thing that I always think about is just companies always have a good culture when they're small. And problems happen when they grow and the employees grow bigger and the amount of employees grow bigger and bigger. So my question has always been, and I have never really gotten a good answer is like, is there a way to grow a big company with a lot of employees that, that keeps a good culture Yeah. or not really? Yeah. Because I would argue, like you say like, oh, you know, all the tech Silicon Valley, like there's a lot of big companies like Facebook and Google and stuff like that. But I would argue that they don't really have great cultures. Often those are, um, the actions that are required to maintain being like a good person and running a good business and taking care of your people and doing the right things are opposite of what it takes to make money today and always put profit first. You asked about hiring for culture. So I often re I read a lot of books and I find that I don't usually get so many takeaways, but this one book gave me probably like 10, 15 takeaways for how we're going to change our hiring processes this year. Yeah. Um, and the biggest one was he was saying that there were so many instances where they were going to hire someone and they had an interview with someone who was really qualified and they knew could make an immediate impact on their bottom line, but they chose not to hire them because they knew that they weren't a good cultural fit mm. and they didn't want it. And then over time that would cause the decay of the company because yeah, the biggest. It's like Chinese water torture. That it's not like yeah. You never hire like death a person. By a thousand cuts. Death by death by a thousand yeah. paper cuts. That's it. You never. Yep. There's not a bad hire that ruins your business. There's many, many, many bad yep. hires over a very long period of time that slowly erode the business, yep. and then maybe it doesn't fail, but it it maybe it does fail, but it definitely will never reach the potential it could have without those bad hires. The biggest, uh, the biggest advantage that they have that anyone has with a strong culture is that it doesn't just become a job that you go to and then leave. It becomes uh, a way of life. It like becomes a family. your family. It's like us. Like I yeah. want people to feel what, what we feel. Yeah. Basically I think the biggest thing that that's a huge thing this year is just going to be hiring because you can train anyone. So, so, so right? like hiring for culture, like what does that mean? Cause like in, in my philosophy, when I'm hiring, I just always, the question I always ask is like, could I be friends with this person? Like, do I want to hang out with this person? Because that's basically what yeah. working for me is. It's like, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this person. I Am I like, okay with that? I feel like I've been betrayed by that. I used to hire people that I felt I would like like to party with or whatever, and then party with maybe not so much. But it, am I you know am I, I mean? okay like with spending? I along am with. I okay with spending a lot of my time day to day with this person, talking to this person, dealing with this person? Like, am I okay with that? Yeah. To an Do extent, we get along? I like agree. Yeah. Um. So I the, the biggest thing is to decide what your core values are. 
Yeah. And we, we still haven't really talked. I mean, we generally have an idea. I'm sure we'd come up with the same three out of 10, but, um, but they had a whole list and it was like, I don't know if you want to pull it up, but, uh, it was something like be weird in your, be kind of weird and fun. Uh, wow. Our customers. Um, and then there was, there was a whole list of things, but this basically, is Zappos? yeah. So okay. they had their core values Yeah, and then they would ask interview questions. Uh, so they they would have two rounds of interviews. The first round would be if they were a good fit for the role. Okay. The second interview I have them. Would, Do you want me to read them? Yeah. In one sec. And the okay. second interview would be, um, a cultural fit interview. So it would just be around asking questions basically to figure out where that person was on the spectrum of, of each core value. And so, if, sorry, I was looking this up. Can you, can you go, can you repeat those for me? What were the, what were the, what were the three that? interviews? No, oh, what were the, the three types of the, Oh, there was two types of interviews. Yeah. So the first interview is, are you right fit for the job? And the second one is, are you a cultural fit? Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. I thought you said there was a third one. So, so yeah. So the 10, uh, I guess it's core values of Zappos is deliver wow through service. Yeah. That's number one. Uh, number two, embrace and drive change. Number three, create fun and a little weirdness. Number four, be adventurous, creative, and open-minded. Number five, pursue growth and learning. Six, build open and honest relationships with communication. Seven, build a positive team and family spirit. Eight, do more with less. Nine, be passionate and determined. And 10, be humble. Which honestly, we should just screenshot those <laughs> and make them. them ours. Those can all yeah. apply to essentially any service-based business. Those are great. Pretty much. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're awesome. I mean, create fun and a little weird, eh, you know, again, a little weirdness. That one, give or take. But like the rest of them are great. Like that's really good. I think that when you take money off the table and you pay people enough, um, it stops becoming a driver and it becomes an afterthought. And um, that was something they did really well where they would they would always put their employees first and they would hope that their employees would always put their customers first. When they got bought out, generally the top, I think 15 or so executives usually get um, like a massive bonus like... I think it was, I don't, I don't even know, but I think they, they get like double their salary basically for that year as the buyout happens. Hmm. And they decided to give that whole uh, bonus to all of the employees Split in the company. Split it up between everybody. And it, and, you, and it ended up resulting in the employees getting something like a, I think it like a 40% jump in their salary that year. Hmm. And he got all kinds of letters about how that allowed them to pay for, for procedures that needed to be done and take care of their family. And it was just, of course, yeah. there was just such a huge, you know, the vibe is basically like, wow, this, I'm, and, and this isn't, this is just one example, but if they do that, you know, 400 times a year where you're basically showing your employees that we are here for you, then when the going gets tough, the employee is always going to go the extra mile for your customer and for they your They feel company. like you're there for them, then they will. They really will go the extra mile. And that's when sure. you get the most out of people because yeah. they're not they're not checking, like, <laughs> is it 5 o'clock? Is it 5 o'clock? Let's you know? look. Like, is it time for me to go home yet? I feel like the more, the better we do and the more money we make, the less of a scarcity mindset there is. There's a lot of... Uh, it's really an, of, an abundance now. We know that. And we can... 
a lot of companies um, and just people around. like that I know will will. Uh, it's almost laughable, you know. Like they, co- you come up with an idea for a business, and you're oh like, god, I know. Oh, what but I don't. Say. I can't talk. I can't to you tell about you. It yeah. Oh, I can't tell you until uh, I need to wait a little bit. I have. I have. I have partners. I can't say anything yet. We don't well, want you to steal thing, the idea. It's one thing if you're like you have you know an NDA like like our friend Yoshi is like he's literally like not able to talk about certain contracts that he has, but. But well, this no, no, is no. like if it's contractual, you know, it's it's a whole different thing. I'm talking yeah, about no, people 100%. that come to you with a startup yeah. idea that they haven't executed on in nothing. even the smallest way. Yeah. And they're saying, like, I you know, I have this great idea, it's the best idea, but I can't tell you about it yeah. yet because But just know, you know it's the best. But just know it's the best, but I but it's so good that I can't tell you because yeah. you're gonna steal it. Yeah. And it's like those like as soon as i hear that though and i don't know about you but as as soon as i hear that i know that that person's not going to make that idea happen because right there they don't understand the most important part about their business and that's that the idea is five percent and the execution is 95 percent most good ideas don't don't even work like when somebody tells you and i know you for sure i feel this and i know you do for sure when somebody tells you that i have like a great startup idea my first thought is not, I want to steal it. My first thought is, oh, tell me, I want to help you. It's like, oh, yeah. tell me about That's it. Let's, let's, let's brainstorm. Let's yeah. brainstorm. Let's see yeah. what we can do. Yeah. Let's do it. But like, as soon as you get that, like, oh, no, I can't tell you about it yet. You know, we're working, I'm working on some things I don't want anybody to know yeah. about it yet. It's like, well, oh, come on, man. Like, what are you going to do? Steal it? <laughs> yeah. And even, yeah. And, and if I can steal it and make it better than you, then yeah. you probably don't deserve to, to well that's it it's like myspace and facebook right it's like facebook yeah. didn't steal myspace's idea they just did it better and if you come up with any startup any idea that is worth its weight right like within the first year or two that you create it you're gonna have six competitors who have created the exact same thing as you and you have to prove that you're the best yeah. one there's like i mean look at tiktok tiktok has wanna... came out blew up right tiktok yeah. is huge now and now there's like triller and there's like a couple other ones yeah. that are trying like nipping at its heels because that's what happens when you do something good other people see it and they're like i want to do that good thing too yeah yep yeah yeah so, so there um, you go. yeah so that's uh that's pretty much it yeah and just a couple things before we sign off um basically apple podcasts has Part of their algorithm is what is the first eight episodes or eight weeks? You said. Um, I'll need to look into it more, but I think it's, uh, I think it's eight weeks. Okay, so I'm just gonna say it and just don't like if somebody out there knows a lot about podcasts, don't quote me on this. I might be wrong, but I think it's either eight days or eight weeks that you're in the uh, you're in the like new podcast section of the Apple uh, podcasting app. Um, and that's like one of the best ways to kind of boost, boost your listens. Cause it, it will give you an unnatural amount of exposure. Um, but in order to like rank on it, you need to have like be one, have like a good amount of content, like to release and be consistently releasing throughout the time you're in that new podcasting. So I think what Dan was going at is that we're trying to right now like record a few episodes and get like our get our flow down but also get like a little base of content so that we can release and take advantage of that time that we're going to be in the apples like new podcast section so basically um the way that they determine whether to boost your exposure is uh, by how many how many five-star reviews you get how much positive feedback you get how much you share the podcast 
um, and how many subscribers we get. So literally just by you clicking the subscribe button, uh, if we ever stop delivering value, feel free to unsubscribe, but it would be absolutely huge for us. And we would be super, super grateful if you could just leave a five-star review and um, leave a five-star review, subscribe, subscribe on Apple, like, comment on YouTube, and subscribe us on if you YouTube, have any feedback. Let us know what we could be doing better. Message us or if there's anything interesting that you would you would want to hear us talk about, um, and we'll make a point of doing that. Yeah, realistically, at this point, if you're if you're listening to this or even giving it a chance, we appreciate it, and we also know that you probably have our personal phone numbers. So uh, yeah, just yeah. send us a text if there's something you've noticed because. Thank you we're definitely new to this. And, thank you for uh, even sticking. If you've with made it, it this far, end. genuinely, thank you very much. This is uh, this is the first time that we're really doing this. Uh, we have no experience in the field, so uh, we just figured we would we would make this to kind of share it with our friends and create a podcast that we wish that we had over the last few years that we could listen to. Um, so this is just our way of kind of giving back to the community. And hopefully we're, we're helping other people, helping young entrepreneurs or, or pretty much anyone that wants to build a business or just improve their life um, or, or at, at the least listen to, uh, to two idiots in a basement talk about their life. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's it. And that's, I mean, really what the name is for, right? In the making we are constantly all being shaped and, and made and uh, this is kind of our journey and our attempt to kind of capture it for you, for young entrepreneurs, like Dan said, but also I think for ourselves in 30 years to look back on and be like, wow, yeah. we were a couple of idiots in a basement. Thanks guys. Thank you so much. You and uh, we'll see you next week. Hey everybody, this is Patrick. Just checking in quickly after the episode to say thank you so much for listening or watching. We really appreciate it. We've got some super cool interviews lined up in the near future. We're very excited about them and we think they're going to bring a lot of value to a lot of people. So make sure that you subscribe on your platform of choice. We are officially available on all major podcasting platforms and on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe there and stay tuned for more. We'll see you next time.